Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, our hosts look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to build a space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti. And I've been keeping my nose to the grindstone and burning the midnight oil, answering all the questions that you are too lazy to Google. And I'm Matt Saintsing, and if there's ever an employment gap in my resume, it's probably because I'm recording this episode during work hours. Uh, I'm just kidding, boss. Com- I'm just kidding, boss. My boss actually, my boss actually listens to this show, and I want you, I want everyone to know that Matt keeps different work hours than I do. Me, Matt yeah. works extra late. It's five o'clock somewhere, and that somewhere is at my house right now. Yep, it is five o'clock on a Sunday. We just got, we're just uh, observing the Sabbath, and yep. we decided Matt, to break it Matt doing works this weekends. And Matt I work, I only work weekends. I'm deadbeat, and my employment gap is Monday through Friday. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it, first of all, we should say this is all a joke. None of this should be considered as actual. Like, you know, I'm not giving you people my schedule. No, and this is not, this is absolutely, absolutely not grounds for termination. This is all a joke. Yep. And you can't fire someone over a joke, right? The 1950s happened that, you know, there's no reason. Donald Trump's entire presidency happened. (laughs) Imagine having that as a bullet on your resume when you're trying to get a policy job at the Heritage Foundation or some shit. (laughs) Speechwriter for DJ Trump is just fucking like hand symbol, hand symbols, like, or like just... You know, card symbols. I, I think it's semaphore. You just use the flags like you, yeah. you're holding up flags like, no, no, no. He starts to say something racist. Actually, what was it? The uh, it was during the CNN town hall. Oh, like yeah. he started to say something that was veering towards racism. And then he like he definitely he definitely swerved away just just before saying saying something very, very negative about people who are of non uh, who are who are not Caucasian. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not a surprise. So I guess he did a pretty good job. He he verbally bullied that that reporter, Caitlin Collins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought she. I honestly, I thought she did a she did a really good job, but they set her up for failure. Well, you want to know they, something they, funny? They, they, they put. Oh yes, I uh, always. Caitlin Collins, current CNN anchor, star, just got the nine p.m. slot. Super fucking awesome. Nice. Was once the Daily Caller reporter. Like the conservative Tucker Carlson's yeah, yeah. Like, thing. He, 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 her first like job in town, DC, was uh, working for the Daily Caller and writing some really fucked up shit. Um, so she has <laughs> since she has since pivoted her career. And here we're here to talk about careers, so I'm glad we're, it's a good segue. No, that's that's actually that's actually a great pivot for this podcast. Is um, Caitlin Collins, if you're listening. <laughs> Come on the show and explain yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I promise we will not call you a nasty woman in front of a live tele, uh, live studio audience. It would already be a, a big improvement from your last interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, like Matt said, today we are talking about work. So yeah, uh, this week my company actually hosted a golf outing. So this was my first golf outing. I've never been golfing before, and. 
as a result, I was a little bit intimidated by the process. I, I, I elected not to golf that day. And my, <laughs> don't get me wrong. My day turned out fine. My job, my job ended up being riding around in a golf cart, drinking beer, which I mean, that's a pretty good day at work. Yeah. I mean, like, are you hiring? Do you need an assistant? I'm very qualified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I ended up skipping out on the golf and I, I signed up for the golf lesson. And prior to the golf lesson, I was actually I was out with a, a group of people, including uh, my boss that listens to this podcast. And, you know, I was taking some putts and stuff because it turns out they have a super really bad at golf format. And it's called they, they did a shotgun and a scramble, which which sounds like an order at the Waffle House. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. Back at Sigma Alpha Chi Epsilon or whatever. I don't know if there's four letters. Yeah, so in, in a shotgun start, everybody starts at a different hole. Uh, so that helps keep <laughs> things moving along. So that way you're not waiting for, you know, each group to clear the first hole. Orgy rules. Um, or it's orgy rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then a scramble means that everybody hits, uh, everybody hits their ball. And then whoever hits the best ball, everybody hits their next ball from that point. Okay. Which means it doesn't matter how good or bad you are at golf. As long as you have one person on your team that yeah. can get the ball to the hole. Everybody gets to play and take their shots and have fun and drink beer and socialize. This sounds like so, it's for children, except except the beer. No, it's it's for it's for middle age middle management. Like if you're <laughs> if you're in a white collar if you're in a white collar profession, you can you too can enjoy the you, the you too can hit the links. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can enjoy the shotgun scramble. All right. Like the only, and unfortunately, the only thing I got to shotgun while I was out there was a beer. <laughs> um, so anyways I, I left I, I left that group to go to my golf lesson because they they had a golf pro who was going to be doing a, a lesson and I get there and it takes like 30 40 minutes for this golf pro to show up and get things set up and then when he does he's like we're gonna work on putting today it's just like that's the least intimidating part of golf yeah yeah like, there's a whole there's, leisure activity about mini golfing put and you're doing I mean yeah, I've done it on shrooms before. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun. But so yeah, this, this was my fir- this was my first golf course that didn't have a windmill or and or a pirate. So <laughs> it's or a dinosaur. It is like this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So putting was like I understand the basic the basic rules of putting, and he's like throwing the ball up in the air. He's just like just you know look at the terrain here. Where's the low point of this green? Where's where's the high point? And you can see there's a little dip right there. It's just like I understand how fucking physics works. I know how balls roll. Show me how to hit a fucking golf ball yeah. with the big club, not the little club, the big one. I need to know how to make the ball go far and in the direction I want it to go. I understand the, 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 the physics of putting. Do you know how to read a green or read it? Read a, is that what they call it? Right. Like you're like looking at the grass and trying to figure out where the fuck the ball's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I can read. Anybody can read a green. <laughs> if you- what if you're colorblind? You probably can't. Uh, in which case you're reading a green and or red. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs, terrible golf players. Yeah. Oh, yes. Is, it a, is that an eagle? No, it's a fucking beagle. Get him off the goddamn course. <laughs> so, yeah, I, after about 10 to 15 minutes, I got back in my golf cart. I grabbed another beer and I went and I found another group to hang out with, because if you're not going to teach me how to get the ball all the way from the tee to the hole, Eat shit. then yeah. I've learned nothing here. I've played golden tee. Yeah, right. and, yeah. and I don't want to brag like you give me a warm up game by game two. I'm not bad by f- giving 50 cents. The next 50 cents. Fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. 
But speaking of golf, that brings us to our first question. This comes from a previously untapped vein of Reddit information. It's r slash financial careers, which are, I think, things that you financial careers are not things that you and I have. No, no, I um, barely have both of those things. Barely have either of those things. (laughs) The, The post is titled, I just lost a five million dollar client over a game of golf. And this person establishes that they're, an, uh, they're a majority partner at an accounting firm in the Southwest U.S. One of their major clients specializes in energy and has a yearly golf game that he invites them to. And he says, and I quote, to say nicely, the client is a jerk. He's a leatherneck from West Texas, thrice divorced, and many of his subordinates really don't like him. But he knows his way around an oil well and runs his company great even during economic downturns. Mm, sounds like an asshole. With that said, his competitiveness gets the best of him. And he's known for firing a past firm when a director embarrassed him on the course. So this guy goes ahead and he assembles his group and he includes a uh, a new associate partner uh, that they brought on board at the firm. And it becomes apparent that this this new associate is actually quite good at golf and does not fully understand the delicate situation that they are in (laughs) with this ultra competitive client. So he takes the new associate aside and starts telling him to tone it down a little bit and, you know, throw the game. Yeah. And he does until this brash client starts talking shit once they hit the back nine. And then this this new associate completely unloads on him. Fuck yes. And, and, and dusts him. Uh, so apparently the, the client cussed out his entire staff through his golf clubs, balls, his whole bag. Uh, I assume he slapped his caddy if he had one. Yeah. And then he walked, he walked off the course. And as he, as he got into his car, he yelled, don't worry about showing up to our office next week. So the question here is one, is it over Two, how do I remedy this situation with the client? Three, do I take any action against the associate for beating our client when we knew this would happen? If I fire the associate, can I attempt to get the client's trust back? Oh, Jesus. I'm going to answer the last one first. Yes, yes. Fuck you for even thinking that. No shit. I was like, you're the asshole now. You you just became the <laughs> asshole. Um, well, he's in fin- he's posting an r slash financial careers. I thought I, I think that might be a given. A city of assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a Wall Street of assholes is what they call a group of them, right? Um, I think that. So the I think one thing should be we should be clear about is associate is far lower on the corporate rung than the guy having a $5 million client is right. So in his last question, he says, well, he, we know this would happen. Okay. Well, why the fuck didn't you stop your associate when you notice him becoming crazy good? Well, he did. No, he did. And and then then he pulled him aside and then the guy guy started shit talking and then he, he wound up again. So like when he wound up again and started doing good. Yeah. Then then I think, I, I mean, I think you should be like, Hey buddy, I fucking told you. Right. Like, like, these are finance guys are used to saying that shit, right? Um, yeah. I don't. So the, we should. The associate should not be touched. And honestly, I, I I think it's kind of fucking badass that he didn't want to get steamrolled by this oil tycoon asshole. So, well, it's a, it's a, it's a new job. He's probably you know you could take it or leave it. He's got student <laughs> loans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I guess the first thing is if I fire the associate, can I attempt to gain the tr- client's trust back? That's a shit move. Uh, not, don't do though. that gaining the client's trust back that you didn't lose the client's trust. Correct. The client doesn't not trust you. The client hates you. Yes. You lost his respect. There's a different. Yeah. yeah. They dislike the, the client dislikes you because someone at your firm 
made them look bad at a game where you hit a ball with a stick, which is even worse. You, yeah, <laughs> your, your clients, your client is an absolute piece of shit. Yeah. And it's yeah. not worth it's not worth losing somebody else's job. It's not worth taking away somebody's livelihood over somebody throwing an adult sized temper tantrum. And I, and I think the question asker knows this. So if I fire the associate, can I attempt to gain the client's trust back? No, don't don't bother because they'll fire you for some other bullshit reason. And they'll know like you when the, ping pong, when the annual ping pong tournament comes around. Yeah. You're gonna, you're, <laughs> you know, someone's going to spike the ball a little bit too hard and a, fr- and a, and a fragile ego is going to break. How do I remedy the situation with the client? You don't. Well, uh, I mean, you can you can. Well, here, here's what I'll say. You can try to remedy the remedy the situation with the client by just pretending that the event did not happen. And if they press the issue, then you can confront them and say, Hey, look, golf has nothing to do with the business that I do. I'm your accountant, not your fucking golf pro. Yeah. It's, this is absolutely, this is, this is an absolutely silly situation to be in. It is silly. It is childish. It is. um, I think the point of how, well, how do I gain this trust or how do I get the client to not be mad at me? Yeah, you're absolutely right. the next time something comes up like this, this person is going to throw a fucking tantrum. So you just have to learn how to manage a tantrum. And I think the best way to do that is yep. to have children. So this guy needs to be pumping out some kids <laughs> and then he can treat And then he can finally realize how, what is like think to he should, to rich Do you babies. think he should have kids with the client? I, well, during the state of Texas, it's probably illegal. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, you know, definitely not, a, not definitely shouldn't be in the, in, in the school uh, library or right, as far as the state's concerned. Yeah. Right. So I guess the, uh, we already kind of answered it with if I fire the associate, but says, but do I take any action against the associate for beating our client when we knew this would happen? You better not. Um, so in this case, in this case, action is not necessarily related to firing. I would take I would certainly take the associate aside and say, hey, look, sometimes these events are about making our customers feel good, not about playing golf. Because I, th- I think the associate misunderstood how golf, uh, what, what, go- what purpose golf serves in the business community. Golf is a lubricant. It, it disarms people and gives them a reason to be together in a social environment, and it helps them build relationships. That is the only reason why golf is a business thing. Yeah. Yeah. No action against this guy. I do agree with pulling him aside to be like, hey, man. Um, you didn't necessarily do anything wrong as far as I'm concerned. Uh, although he, you might've done something wrong. I hear some police sirens going in the background. Oh, no, that's just Washington. <laughs> that's, that is just city life. My friend, I, um, trust me, I just bought a car. It's, I have, I've had it on street parking. It's, it's a new anxiety that I never thought I had, right. Is getting broken into my car, um, which may be happening right now. Right. Jeez. I should have gone golfing with the guy. It would have been way better. Um, yeah, the really yeah. fucked up thing is that Matt, Matt actually got his car by breaking into somebody else's car. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I guess. This is a joke. Square. You can't take it. <laughs> and I did that during work hours. So it was completely fine. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we kind of, I think we kind of answered all, a lot of this stuff here. Um, yeah. I think, it, it I think you just got to let it go. Yeah. You got to let it go. Yeah. Let the client go. You're better off without them. You'll find that, that $5 million a year client. Yeah, sure. They're important to your bottom line now, but you're spending $5 million worth of work for somebody who does not bring you joy. Find another $5 million client that doesn't get pissy when you beat them at golf. I'm guessing they're probably few and far between. <laughs> just people, uh, just mean, people who run that kind of stuff with a, with a fucking iron fist and shit. They just, they just like feel like they can roll over people and they do apparently in this. And I, and I hate it. I hate it. 
I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to transition us to our next topic with the Do most it. eloquent transition I can think of, which is, hey, here's our next topic. All right. This is uh, this is from r slash career guidance user throw ra dash OK dash set writes someone snitched on me at work that I don't like my job and my manager wants to talk. What should I do? Okay. Um, you, well, you should go talk to your boss when he asks if, or she asks if you, do you want to well, let's, let's talk. So the first thing you should do is meet with your boss. <laughs> yeah. Find out what your boss wants to know, because depending on your boss, they might be saying, Hey, I heard you're not happy with, uh, with work. What are some things that we could do to improve this? Yeah. Your boss could also be, you know, a real fucking asshole and they could be calling you in to just fire you. They could be calling in and be like, why did you beat me on the golf course last Saturday? You fucking asshole. Right? <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Uh, so you can either be, <laughs> you can, yeah, man, you, I, ha- I hate, I, I, I'm really having trouble with this job. Like I was invited to a golf outing, the client flipped the fuck out. And now my boss wants to talk to me after I told my coworker that I don't like my job. Yeah. What I th- so what I would do is, um, immediately stop. If you, if you know who the coworker is, it probably sounds like you might have an idea. Um, do not give extra information to that coworker ever again. I think Ever. information management in the workplace is one of the best things you can do. When people tell me a secret, it's in a fucking vault. I do not tell anybody else. And with that, I have multiple people at work that come to me and telling me, you know, not only juice of gossip, but also important th- things about the organization that I probably would not have otherwise known. And that's because yeah. they, they have, they have gained my, they earned my trust. This person has betrayed a trust. So now you got to just that's like, true. you know, Put that in the fucking grave, and then you got to deal with the boss. And then the question becomes, what strategy do you have with the boss? What do you think, Brian? I think the strategy is to go into the bo- uh, go into the meeting with the boss with a positive attitude. Uh, you should absolutely downplay how much you dislike it and say, "Hey, look, you know, I had some, I have some constructive things to say. You know, here are some improvements that I would like to see implemented, but I'm really not that unhappy with the job. I was just blowing off a little bit of steam. Yeah." Not a big deal. More often than not, your boss is going to agree with you because the pain of hiring somebody to replace you far outweighs the benefit of firing somebody over an offhand comment they made to a coworker about their job satisfaction. Yeah. Like unless you're unless you're notably negative uh, influence in the workplace, you're probably not getting fired over this. No. And I don't and I don't and I also don't think it's against the it's against the work rules to say that you don't like your job. Not liking your job isn't a fireable offense. Yeah. Talking shit to your coworker. God, if that can get you arrested or if that can get you fired even worse, um, then I we're we're all in a lot of trouble here. I think I'm going to I agree with you for the most part. I think you should only say, oh, I have some ideas for improvement if you're asked in a situation. I think you shouldn't volunteer yep. that kind of stuff. Um, but you should say, look, yeah, you caught look, look, you caught me in a moment where I said something I maybe shouldn't have and I didn't think it was going to get back to you. And now here we are. Um, you know, but it's like... Um, you want fuck? Yeah, right. Be like, like I think <laughs> the, the, I'm more curious about the intentions of the... Is, is the boss just coming to be like, you, you're not fucking grateful. You need to you know, increased profit and all this other bullshit. Or if, are they like, Hey, let's talk about this. What, uh, you know, I, I think it could be a moment of, of revealing how awesome your boss is or how shitty they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you. This is a, this is a good opportunity to find out what type of boss you have. And then I would also just kind of, you know, keep your, keep your finger on that pulse. And if you're, if you don't get fired outright for the crime of not liking going to work, 
which is literally everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The only people who like going to work are serial killers. You think the president of the United States likes doing like going to work every day? Uh, not every day not every day you gotta feel it. I, I i think it's a i think it's a special type of sociopath that seeks political power yeah so yes i i think that somebody like that would get a great deal of satisfaction even donald trump who hated doing the job loved being president he was not good at it and yeah he he never stopped campaigning and never started governing but yeah ultimately the lesson here is you draw your name on a piece of paper, you draw your coworker's name on a piece of paper, and then you circle your name and make sure your coworker's name is outside of the circle. That's your circle of trust. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it it's, uh, it, it's, you know, it's also your time because time's a flat circle. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how it feels every day at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Doug, True Detective was a very good show, and time oh, as yeah. a flat circle is is going to live on forever. Yep. But like he's just talking about a clock, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's or a he's watch. just talking yeah, about exactly. a clock. It's not. It's yeah. not that. It's not that big of a. F- oh, you know what is really interesting? Maybe we should be doing this topic. But apparently, there is a possibility that Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are brothers from another mother. First of all, uh, that mom seems have you cool heard about as fuck. This? No, I have not heard about this. That, that mom, <laughs> that's good work if you can get it, being the mom of Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey. No, 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 no. Brothers from another mother. Implying same that father. The, the father, father is the They share a father, perhaps, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah. also, so that so father would be cool as fuck then, right? <laughs> yeah. He's just out there. He's just out there. Like, those, those those are strong genes. If you can impregnate two different women, not tell each other, have them not tell each other and still have both kids grow up to be A-list Hollywood actors, <laughs> you've got some strong <laughs> semen. <laughs> They're from the deep end of the gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, man, he should just be shooting out fucking like, you know, NFL shirt uh, leaders and shit like that. That is a potent brew in that ball sack. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually Tom Brady's uh, next job. Uh, That's why Giselle had to leave him because they're going to put him out to stud. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson, they've been they've been in a bunch of movies together and they're really good friends. And apparently they were hanging out with Matt McConaughey's mom and she mentioned in passing in a kind of suspect way that she knew Woody Harrelson's dad. Oh, carnally (laughs) during a period that she and her husband were on a break and she didn't take it further than that. She never, she never said that they boned, but look at pictures of those men side by side. Yeah. And tell me you don't see a possible familiar resemblance. No, you're absolutely like, like maybe right. they're sharing a few chromosomes. I feel like only if there was some way to figure this out. Oh, yeah, let's give him 23 and me and we'll fucking find out right now. Well, that's just it. Woody Harrelson's all about it. He's like, I want to know. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey's like. I don't want to know. If my I don't want to find whore. <laughs> No, no. Ian, scrap that. Matt doesn't want to say. Whore. No, I'm not going to. I mean, that's Matthew McConaughey saying it. Oh, well, if Matthew the McConaughey other Matthew, is saying it, not uh, Matthew's, not, it not Matthew's a, ain't saying it. Don't be a dick. You'll lose my $5 million <laughs> client if you don't leave. <laughs> I'll see you on the golf course, motherfucker. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any idea how many episodes we'd have to produce before Ian made $5 million producing our show? 
the doge as much dogecoin there are i'm sure right you know it'd be it'd be a it'd probably be a it'd probably be a few million episodes (laughs) shiba inu corn the coin then yeah yeah um but yeah, apparently Matthew McConaughey does not want to do it because he's worried that he'll find out that the man that he thought was his father for, you know, his 60 years of life is not his father. And he's just not ready to cross that bridge into the unknown yet. This is Schrodinger's sperm donor right now. That's what this is. He, she, is yeah. she is both the brother of Woody Harrelson and not the Woody Harrelson until he kills the cat. Right. Um, yep. Fucking and crazy, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I like. Yeah. To th- I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and think it's true or not. I'm gonna live in that world. Um, I, I. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to live in that world where Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are secretly brothers, which puts a whole nother layer of Shakespearean twist on the plot true of True Detective. Detective where. Yep. Yep. And and I'm not going to tell anybody why because even though this show is like what 10 12 years, 10 years old, years old now, right? Yeah. 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 I'm not. I'm not trying to spoil it. Go watch it. It's a good show. Absolutely. It's a great show. Uh, stop. Don't watch those other detective shows. Watch a true detective. Also, and wh- this is the only season of true detective you should see. I'm going to go ahead and say it. The other one, the, the one the second are, season was rushed. Yeah. I feel like um, the one with Vince Vaughn and stuff like that. I just couldn't get into it, man. I, I just. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's season two. Supposedly season three is really good too with Mercer Hala Ali, but okay. uh, season two, it, what, what's interesting though is if you watch season two, there's a virtually identical scene in uh season two of true detective as there is in the first season of the leftovers and it's because they have the same writer and i feel like he recycled like he recycled the scene yeah i mean i've done that before in which a tough guy law enforcement officer beats up a man in front of his child on the porch to teach the child a lesson like it happens in both shows. Yeah, he definitely. So I do write speeches. There for wasn't work. even a writer's strike going on. Yeah. <laughs> I write speeches for work. And I have noticed recently that when I hear the speeches be given, there is a certain phrase that I have used in like six or seven different ones. And now I'm like, I, whenever I craft new ones, I just like need to make sure I take that out of my brain. No one's noticed it. No one's. Well, if they've noticed it, they haven't said anything to me. So whatever. Right. But what's the phrase? Um, it is. I don't know if I want to be giving away my free gems for now. Um, let me yeah, see. Like this, this is a this is a Matt Saint Singh oh, original. This it, is the no, this it's, is it's, this is the indelible this is the indelible thumbprint of Matt Saint Singh put on those speeches. There are two. I I talk about you know walking along like um like uh, cemeteries and you're thinking of people who were never able to be honored as veterans because they died in service, right? They never got to, they never got to have that role. Right? Yeah. The other one I use is it's real simple. It's real stupid. It's, I say something like, you know, we're here doing, you know, all those accomplishments, but it, but it doesn't happen on its own. It's because of the dedicated and committed, oh, but it doesn't da, da, da. happen on its own. That is, that is the quote. Sorry. It took me like five minutes to answer that, but yeah, that is the, yeah. uh, I had to set it up. I'm, I'm a writer. I had to set it up, man. It's like Woody Harrelson's dad was pumping out A-list fucking Hollywood stars, but it doesn't happen on its own. I don't. So they're not Eskimo brothers. They're like, what are they? Actual brothers. Well, maybe half brothers. Actual yeah. brothers. Actual brothers. <laughs> half brothers. Actual half brothers. Well, I'm glad we got to go on that tangent. That's fa- we should be talking about that. That should be the topic of every episode. We should, we should be fi- we should be trying to figure this out. Look at when you were born. We need to get to the fucking bottom of this. That's this is a this is a this is a new standalone podcast. This is our new true crime podcast of who blasted in Matthew McConaughey's mom. Finding brothers, right? Be be, be Matthew and, and uh, uh, Woody story. 
Um, I think like you can find pictures of when she was pregnant and like, we can like, okay. Cause my question is who, which one's older? What's the age gap? Does one remember their mom being pregnant and not I having a kid? That is my first it's question. The, it's, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Matt, so, so, because so, so they share a father, not a mother. Oh shit. I keep thinking, why, would, a mom, mom. why, would, keep, why, why would their mom, why would their mom be pregnant and not have a kid? I mean, there's lots of reasons why wait, that can happen, but it is completely no, unrelated my, to the possibility that Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are related. That's not true. It's that's not true. That's not true. If you have, so you're saying, okay, let's say Woody no, Harrelson let me remembers let, a time. Let, let, let me be clear with it. Okay, go ahead. So, go ahead. So, Give me so you have, and I'll tell you uh, how babies are made. You have two brothers, right? Um, there's a, <laughs> the, there's an age gap between Woody and Matthew McConaughey that, that I don't know right now. Uh-huh. Right? Assuming one of them is older than the other, right? So let's say Matthew's the older right. one. Let's say Matthew, depending on that age gap, they'll be able to see, Matthew McConaughey would be able to see his mom pregnant. And she would have Woody, and Woody would not himself? show up in the family. Well, yeah. Okay. So let me, let me, let me reiterate. Was Woody alive when, 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 when the parents were on a break? Let me, let me, let me reiterate that the rumor here, the possibility here is that they share a father, not that they share a mother. I agree. I agree. I agree. So why would Matthew McConaughey's mom be pregnant twice? Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, fuck. Wait a second. (laughs) Okay. So Matt, when, when when a man, no, I, I, you don't when, have when, to. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But when, like, when, you, you're trying to do it. You're not. I'm, I'm when, shutting it down. I'm shutting it down. I'm shutting. When a sperm having person falls in love with an egg having person, I'll see you later, buddy. <laughs> no, oh yeah, I love that you said sperm having person. By the way, we're gonna cut all this out. Yeah, I, why did I think that? It's because I don't know where babies come from. <laughs> well, that, that would explain why you don't have any. For some reason, I and just, just assume they were sharing a mother. Like how they share a father, though. Okay, but this is why I thought they that sh- because they share a father, and one of them is the one of them is. <laughs> all right, it's it's it, let's, <laughs> let's 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 just fucking cut and cut all this out. If you if you don't, I'll never come back on the show ever again. And I'll send a cease and desist letter. You'll hear from my lawyer who just lost a five million dollar client who he needs new work. And then I'll be on then I'll be on R slash financial careers. I can't believe I'm not ask even whether, fucking, ask whether firing yeah. firing my editor to appease my 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 tantrumy co-host. Yeah, I'm not tantrumy. I'm not I, I like the I just can't believe I thought I just feel so stupid publicly now. But you're so smart for not having kids. So maybe that maybe the stupidity of not understanding where babies come from yeah, has saved you a lifetime of misery. I don't know how just, they're made. That's why I don't have them because yeah. I can't figure it out. That's, so Matt, yeah. Matt really wants kids a lot. Like oh. he is he he's baby crazy. No, no I like I mean children. I mean, I'm a cool uncle, but he's been winding his biological clock the wrong way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cool I'm a cool uncle and stuff, but I like to hang out with kids, interact with them, and then you know go away. Give them back. Give him back, yeah. <laughs> Which is not a great trait for a father. Just ask Woody Harrelson's father. <laughs> <laughs> Who might have wandered a little too much. <laughs> so anyway, back to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I always I always just thought Woody Harrelson's dad was coach from Cheers, but okay. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Rest in peace, coach. Yeah. But here's somebody that you don't want to find out as your secret half brother. CNBC's TikTok posted an interview with Elon Musk in which he expressed an opinion uh, that I'd like to talk about today. Okay. Because I think it affects us both, morally speaking. 
possibly one. I'm going to pause it real quick so I can. I'm a big believer that, 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 that people need to are more productive when they're in person. Like there are some exceptions, but I, I kind of think that, that the whole notion of work from home is, is a bit like the, you know, the, the, the fake Marie Antoinette quote, let them eat cake. It's like, it's like, it's like really, you're going to work from home and you're going to make everyone else who made your car come work to the fact, work in the factory. You're going to make the people who make your food that gets delivered that they can't work from home. The, you know, the, the, the people that, that come fix your house, they, they can't work from home, but you can. Does that seem morally right? It's messed up. You see it as a moral issue? Yes. I mean, I see it more as just it's, it's, a, 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 it's, it's a productivity issue, but yeah. it's also a moral issue. People should get off the goddamn moral high horse with the work from home bullshit. Um, because they're asking everyone else to not work from home while they do. The, the laptop class is living in la-la land. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out right away and say that Elon Musk is kind of right here. It is a form of class inequality that some people are able to work from home. Yeah, sure. And other yeah. people and other people do not have jobs that allow them to work from home. Yeah. For the same reason, people, some people make $700,000 a year and some people make seven twenty-five. Like that is also a form of classes thing within jobs. It's, yeah. Is that a moral it's, issue? It, yeah, probably. And would, would Elon say so? Uh, well, that's a that's a very good question because Elon Musk is literally the richest man on the yeah. planet. Yeah, yeah. Is I, and I like my biggest issue with this is yes, I recognize that there is class inequality in our in, in our economic system. Yeah, you know, some people some people are treated better than others. Some people have it easier than others. Not everybody has the same job. That's communism benefits. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everyone has the same benefits. And not everyone flies around the country in their private jet or buys a fucking Twitter. You know, I, I'm not I'm not shaking out my pocket change to buy the one of the biggest social media platforms on the planet on a whim. Yeah. The idea of getting lectured on class inequality by Elon Musk is fucking embarrassing for him. And there's no one to tell him no. Like, while I think that he touches on, uh, I think, a, a salient issue, I think it is dwarfed by income inequality. Like equality of, course, of opportunity of and equality of comfort is secondary. Not to mention work from home is a form of compensation. It wasn't during, it wasn't when it started it was, during the pandemic. It was like out of public health necessity. It has turned into something workers want, some workers want. Right. Well, I think the other issue is that work from home actually alleviates a, another, a lot of other issues that are being created by income inequality, wealth inequality. Mm. So work from home allows flexible schedules. So in some cases, it allows flexible schedules, which can help to reduce the amount of burden for like paying for child care. Yep. It can reduce transportation expenses. Transportation it can time, actually decommute time. Yeah. yeah, transportation time. You know, if I, I live an hour and 15 minutes away from my office. That's if I were driving back and forth from the office every single day, that'd be two and a half hours where I'm doing nothing productive for myself or yeah. my company. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're sitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I work out of my house and I travel for work. Like I, I am based yep. out of my home office. Uh, however, I do travel to my customers for work. My wife works remotely. And if she spent the hour and 10 minutes that it takes to get her to her office, plus, by the way, we would have to we'd have to arrange more robust child care. She would have to drop off my son a half hour in the opposite direction. So she would actually spend three hours a day commuting. 
to do the same exact job that she's doing. And she would get less done because I'm always yelling at my wife to hang up the mouse, you know, <laughs> put, it, put it, put it away. It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. And that somewhere is here. Stop yeah, somewhere is here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When everything happened in, you know, this March of 2020 and the world shut down, we were told we we're going to work from home for the first two weeks. And I did not go back to yeah. the office for like a year and a half. Right. And yeah. so that was a year and a half where I wasn't um, commuting. You know, I wasn't at the office buying lunch on summer most days, right? I was I was able to cook my meals and be a lot healthier. Yeah. I I I was I was sitting on my couch with my dog and you know my girlfriend and like, you know, it was, you know, I really, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, the world yeah. became not so crazy and I'm going to the office four days a week now. I work from home, Damon's Friday. And uh I love working from home. Talk to my uh my boss and uh he's like you know, he lives out in Virginia, in the suburbs, like most people, you know, here. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I didn't have to pay for gas, you know, four days a week. And that felt like a raise. He's got a truck, you know, and yeah. or, or paying for uh, tolls on a highway. All well, these costs, all these emissions that did not happen for a year and a half, you know. But if you look at like Los Angeles during the lockdown, like that's a that is a city with a massive smog issue. Smog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The skies over over Los Angeles County were clear during the lockdown. First time since 1704. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, work work from home has environmental benefits. It has, like you said, financial benefits for the worker because yep. they're spending less money. Uh, they're spending less money commuting, less time commuting. I'm more productive, um, too. They're perhaps yeah. saving. Th- yeah, they're, they're perhaps saving on child care. And, and not only that. But I think it also addresses uh, other social issues like that, that are born out of where people have to be located for their work. So a lot of people who are part of the knowledge economy or white collar workers who can work remotely, uh, a lot of them were moving out of the city or they're staying or, or they're or they're moving to rural areas or smaller cities where they could remote work from where the cost of living would be lower. Yeah, there, there's geographic areas of this country that have been completely locked out of economic development because the economic development was around employment centers. And now you can spread out some of that, literally spread out some of that wealth, like somebody being employed in, say, Atlanta, working remotely from rural Georgia. Now that money is not being spent in Atlanta. It's being spent in rural Georgia. So it's actually spreading out the wealth. And it probably slows down some of the negative impacts of gentrification where people are moving closer to the job center and they are pushing lower income people out of their households and out of their neighborhoods. So, I mean, there are a lot of benefits that are kind of tangential to work from home that Elon's not considering because he's the type of guy that buys a company and puts in deadlines so unrealistic that his employees are forced to sleep on sleep on the fucking office floor to get the job done. He is not somebody that we need to take our moral cues from yeah. regarding economic and social equality. He's the literally the richest man on earth. And I don't and, and he, he hasn't cut me any fucking checks lately. So he can, he can talk to me about moral, moral inequality. I don't see him out there handing out soup at the soup kitchen. Yeah. I mean, if you come from mineral wealth, largely, I don't feel, I don't take my moral, advice from you, right? His family come from a, his family owned a, uh, you know, mineral farm in Zambia, right? Also, yeah, you're right. I mean, Elon Musk, when he first, when he first bought Twitter and came into the office, he started living, uh, he was working from home because he was living in the office. So he's a huge hypocrite. Yeah. He was just like, you know, there all the time. <laughs> um, but that's, that, that's the thing. Like if you're, the, if you're the top dog, if you're the owner of the company, 
you should be sacrificing more than your workers. So I have no sympathy well, for Elon Musk. He he made the choice. He made a he's made a lot of choices with Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> he's made a lot of choices with Twitter that are questionable. Yeah, like I don't think that he Twitter. was necessarily yeah. helping them. <laughs> no. no, by being he, there he all the time. He fucked up by offering to buy Twitter, and and then now he's like, "Shit, I got to do it." And he's a dog that got caught the car with Twitter. He doesn't know what to do with. Uh, but speaking of jerk offs, you might meet at work. I believe you had one more topic, Matt. I do. And this one brings the heat, um, if you say so, <clears throat> brings the heat, as you say, Hot, hotter, hotter than an unmanned SpaceX rocket blowing up in the lower atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I'm glad it's on. We can make that joke. It's unmanned. It is, it's unmanned. Well, let's say uncrewed because we're not misogynistic on this show. Well, OK, now, now I have the moral high ground, motherfucker. <laughs> no, at least I know where babies come from. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> Jokes on you, they come from my friends. <laughs> All right, hit me. Oh, man, I'll never get that done. I feel so stupid. All right, here we go. This next topic comes from us from the No Stupid Questions from user Waterborn234. And the question is, will I have to jerk off the horses if I get a job on a horse farm? <laughs> I think the first question is, uh, you, need, you need to tell us what job you applied for. Because if you're the accountant, I don't think you should be jerking off these horses on the farm. <laughs> uh, do, do they have a job like there's a, I, I've heard of a soda jerk before. Is there a horse jerk? Is that a common horse farm job? We're going to get into the uh, horse around on farms, farms and what you can get paid for and why. Uh, but this guy says he does have a construction background and he says, and it'll be cool to do some farming. Definitely sounds like the guy that they're going to fucking have him do shit that he doesn't sign up for. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, and I think the other thing to understand is that horse farms aren't farming. Like you're not yeah, like planting yeah. horse trees and harvesting. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I live next to a horse farm and I live near a whole bunch of horse farms and they're mostly just multimillionaires and billionaires who are breeding these horses for races and dressage, which is just horse dancing. And we are recording this, uh, around when the Preakness is a horse racing in, in yeah, Maryland. Preakness Stakes is coming up. Part of the Triple Crown. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we have to jerk off the horses. I mean, maybe when evaluation time and you want to raise, you might have to. <laughs> if you're, you Well, know. I don't know that your boss is a horse. I don't think you actually answer Bojack. the horses when you work on a horse farm. horse farm. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, your I boss mean, is a centaur. He just, he just comes in and he's not wearing pants because they don't make pants big enough for a centaur. No. <laughs> It's a Adam driver comes out and he's like, welcome to the horse farm. Um, he looks like a centaur. I'm sorry. He's a centaur of a man. He's a centaur. Of a man. It's a nice way of saying he's a horse face. Um, All right. So what did, what did you learn about jerking off horses, Matt? Well, I learned it's called husbandry for a living. <laughs> and, and, oh. um, yeah. So um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to look up accounts. Um, well, also, what the fuck does an interview process like that? You don't know if this is a duty you're going to have. You would think this would have come up during the job process somehow, some way. I looked up, I tried to look up some accounts. I don't have it. I don't have horse farming uh, background, but I looked up some accounts online. And there's this guy okay. who's anonymous um, who used to train and own horses. He once helped a vet artificially inseminate a female horse or a mare. Um, uh -huh. So what happened was... Uh, at nine o'clock at night, so no kids were around. The the veterinarian came okay. by, and he asked him to be his assistant. Right, and his job would be to hold the lead that was on the mayor's halter to keep her from running right. away. Right. So the vet went through all the steps of preparing to breed the two animals. Um, and when the stallion tried to mount the mare, the vet 
pushed the, the, the horse, the mare, aside and held up a long bag for the stallion to, oh, no. I, to the stallion to fuck, right? And um, to have sex with. The stallion did this to completion. Uh, uh, okay. Rather quickly, I'm gonna. I, I should add here, um, which you know, whatever. Yeah, man, no, you're not no, trying to impress yeah. anyone. Whatever. Human human beings are actually known in the mammal kingdom for their longevity in the sack. Yep. Yep. Also, uh, human have the biggest dick of all the great apes. So suck it, gorillas. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that to a gorilla because they'd kick my fucking ass. But um, yeah, they so, would. So another helper. Uh, led the stallion away and the vet inserted his large syringe into the bag and drew semen into it. He then took that syringe to the mare's, you know, enchanting vagina and long story Uh short, the horse got pregnant. So this is a veterinarian who was like, I'm going to go jerk off this horse. I don't think a guy with a construction background. I'm going to go to school for, I'm going to go to school for seven years, 12 years. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) <laughs> to learn how to jerk up a horse. Like, buddy, you just need a solid internet connection in four hours. You can figure oh, man. It out. You know what? You know what, though? This really this really puts uh, Tom Brady's retirement plan into perspective for me. Maybe it's not going to be as fun as he thinks it is. Yeah. He's just going to be out in the field somewhere. And just like... Um, Someone's going to call him into the barn. All right. Say, drop your drop your pants, Mr. Brady. They're going to show him some naked pictures and then jerk him off into a plastic bag. Oh, God. I mean, so that's in, that is one account, but it was not anyone who works on the farm. <laughs> I, wild, I love your buddy. I love your I love your commitment to the research, Matt. Thank you yeah. for transitioning back so smoothly. Well, I was like, can we just stop talking about Tom Brady? You're, you talk about it a little too enthusiastically every time. No, I'm kidding. Man. I mean, you're a past man. TV 12. So I get it. I get it. Uh, honestly, if I, I've got to be honest. If I were jerking Tom Brady off into a plastic bag, I would keep a little a little of it for myself. Just uh, in case. <laughs> I would plant them so it could grow an army of Tom Brady's. <laughs> On my new Tom Brady farm. Uh, so, well, he might not be a horse, but he is a goat. Okay, so the the long story uh, the long story here is there are jobs for horse farms where you could be expected to jerk off a horse. That's a dirty job, Mike Rowe. If you're listening, this is one you got to do. <laughs> but not every job at the horse farm requires you to jerk off the horse, and anybody telling you otherwise is hazing you. It's probably fucking with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And haze is for horses, not for humans. So. <laughs> Shouldn't <laughs> well, you shouldn't haze the horses either. <laughs> yeah, no, they, because they'll kick you and kill you. But um, so anyway, but I still think it's really funny that there's doubt. He accepted a job and there's doubt that he's going to have to perform this duty. <laughs> it's not like, hey, you got to clean the bathroom. It's I mean, you know, it's would you rather would you rather jerk off the horse or, or clean the bathroom? Uh, well, is this the bathroom the horse is jerked off in? Um, Who jerked off in this bathroom that I'm cleaning up? If it's Tom Brady, I'm, Tom Brady. I'm collecting that. I'm <laughs> collecting. Yeah, I'm collecting it <laughs> in my little Tom Brady hort, uh, farm. But speaking of someone whose seed should be preserved for future generations, I'd like to thank Rick Reynolds for the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes and Spotify. You can find him on Instagram at Rick Reynolds. Matt, do you have any social media that you'd like to share? No, but I would tell you right now that I wouldn't have to be paid to jerk off Rick Reynolds. I would do it out of the goodness of my heart. So, Rick, if you're listening, if, you're, if your tour comes by Baltimore or D.C., hit me up, man. We can have some fun. But, wow, no, hey, um, certified, I, certified, certified tantric groupie. Um, certified by whom? 
Uh, well, the, I, I think, the moment, jerk off the, I think yeah. the moment you jerk off the bass player, you are instantaneously in the club. Yeah, you are, right. you are certified. Yeah. Well, I mean, I listen, I definitely wasn't a tantric when I was in the army. It's kind of cool that he's definitely turn with him. But no, I don't have any, uh, social media to, <laughs> Glad to, we got to there. Play. but don't wreck yourself, <laughs> but don't wreck yourself. You can find it on, you know, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all the other, all the other ones. Um, uh, any, any social, you have any, a discord firm. Yeah. yeah any, any social media channel platform that matters and Twitter. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got the discord, which you can get access to by donating to our Patreon, uh, which you can find a link in the show notes, or you can just go to www.fondlemelobster.com. <laughs> He's from, he's from Maine, people. You might not have to jerking off a horse, but he's definitely following a lobster in a day or two. Uh, to be fair, I stole it from Shrimp and Crits. Their, their Patreon is uh, fondofmelobster.com. I, I just took yeah. it to its logical conclusion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can also find us on the uh, Podcast Nexus Discord server. We have a mega thread there, and there's tons of other shows that you can interact with. What a fantastic community. Uh, but if between now and next week you're applying for a job and you're not sure who you're going to have to jerk off and you don't have time to wait for our next episode, we encourage you to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.